Book Four, Chapter Thirty Six of Amadis of Gaul. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Simon. Amadis of Gaul by Vasco de Lobea. Translated by Robert Southey. Book Four, Chapter Thirty Six. How Amadis went to succor King Lisuarte, and of what happened upon the way before he arrived. When Amadis and his companions went forward before King Perion, he hastened eagerly to be in time for the succour, and that his lady Oriana might know that, with reason or without it, he always had her present to his eyes to serve her. But the way was long, for from the place where he set out to the field where the two great battles had been fought was five leagues, and from thence to Lubena eight, thirteen leagues in all, so that march as fast as they could they were three leagues from the town when night overtook them. Amadis had ordered his guides to keep always toward the mountain, that the enemy might not retreat to any strong position. But the darkness came on, and the guides were confounded, and knew not where they were, nor where the town lay, nor whether they had passed it. When Amadis heard this, though he was the most patient man in the world, and the one who upon all occasions could best repress his anger, he could not now refrain from often cursing himself and his evil fortune, so that there was no man who dared speak to him. Don Quadragante, who was also greatly grieved because of King Kildadan, with whom he was so nearly allied, and whom he loved so well, went up to him, and said, Good sir, be not so greatly disturbed, for God knows what is best. If it please him that, by this, help should be afforded to those kings and knights who are so much our friends, he will guide us to them. But if his will be otherwise, no one hath power to act against it. And certes as it fell out, if they had not thus gone astray, the issue would not have been so honourable for them, as you shall hear. Being thus perplexed, Amadis asked the guides if they were near the mountain, and they replied they must needs be near it for by his command they had inclined that way. He then bade Gandalin go with one of the guides and seek a way up, for if the army were encamped he would see their fires. Gandalin kept to the left, on which hand the mountain lay, and after some time found that he was at the foot of the mountain, and getting up as fast as he could, he looked over the plain, and presently saw the fires. He then called the guide and pointed them out, and asked him if he could lead the way thither. The man answered that he could. Then they hastened back to Amadis, and told him this. "'Lead on, then,' said he, "'as fast as possible, for the night is far spent.' So they moved forward, and at length came within sight of the fires of Arivago's camp. If that pleased them need not be said, but especially the brave Amadis, who never in his life was so desirous to fulfil adventure, that King Lisuarte might know how, under God, he it was who helped and supported him in all his dangers, for he knew the king could not escape death or captivity without his aid, and had resolved, after having saved him, to return without seeing or speaking to him. The morning now began to break, and they were yet a league from the town. Now when it was daylight, King Aravigo and all his knights prepared joyfully for the contest, and went up to the battlements. Lisuarte and his people bravely defended themselves, but at length, the enemy being so many, and encouraged by success, and those on the king's side few, and for the most part wounded and disheartened, they could not prevent them from entering the town with a mighty shout. 
Then was the uproar great in the street, where the king and his knights obstinately defended themselves, and the women and children, and they who could no way else assist, helped them from the windows. The sword-strokes fell so fast, and the arrows and stones flew about so, and such an outcry was there as none could have beheld without dismay. As King Lisuarte and his knights saw that they were lost, and feared more to be taken than slain, no one can tell the feats they performed, and the blows they dealt about. And their enemies dared not come near them, but pressed on them with lances and stones. On the other side, where King Kildadan and Arquisil and Flaminio and Norandel were opposed to King Aravigo, you may well assure yourself they were not idle. And there was a brave battle, till at length Aravigo and Arcalaus and the six knights of the Sagittary Island made good the entrance. Two of these knights King Aravigo sent by a traverse through the streets to help the division of Barsinan and the Duke of Bristol. He went with the other four against Kildadan, saying to them, Now, my friends, is the time to satisfy your wrath, and revenge the death of the noble knight Brontaxar Danfania, for here you see those who slew him. Fall on them, for they can make no defence. These four knights then drew their large swords, and furiously advanced through their own people, striking them down to clear the way, till they came up to King Kildadan and his comrades. He, brave and resolute as he was, could not choose but fear, seeing how huge and terrible they were, and he said to his friends, "'Fall on, sirs, we shall die worthily here, but in such sort that, if we can, these shall go before us.' With that they made at each other like men who were determined to slay or be slain. One of the four knights made at King Kildadan and struck at his helmet, thinking to cleave his head in twain. The king saw the blow and raised his shield. The sword went through the rim and pierced so deep that when the knight attempted to draw it out, he plucked away the shield with it. King Kildadan, who was used to such danger, lost neither his courage nor his thought but gave it him on the arm, which, by reason of the weight of the shield hanging from his sword, he could not so speedily draw back. It was such a blow as cut through the mail and the whole arm, and left it dangling by a bit of flesh. The sword fell at his feet, and the knight drew back like a maimed man. The king then went to help his companions, who were bravely combating the other three, and by his coming, and the sight of that blow which he had given, the enemy were somewhat dismayed and they defended the street so well that they received little hurt there, though King Aravigo was calling out not to leave a man alive. The other two knights were now come up to the other battle. When they arrived, King Lesuarte and his knights were retiring to the crossing of a street where some of his people were standing idle, because the street itself was so narrow that they could not find room to fight. There at the crossing they stopped, but all was in vain for so few were they, and their arms so hacked away, and they themselves so wounded, that in less than half an hour they must all have been killed or taken, if it had not pleased God to help them by the coming of Amadis. Amadis had spurred on from daybreak. When he came up, and saw the enemy in the town, and others still without the walls, he charged them, and beat all who came in his way and he through one gate and Quadragante through the other entered with their people, shouting out, Gaul! Gaul! Ireland! 
Ireland. The enemy were unprepared and without order, so that a great slaughter was made among them, and many took refuge in the houses. They who were fighting in the front heard the uproar and the war cries, and immediately they thought that King Lisuarte was succoured, and they were dismayed, and knew not what to do, whether to continue the battle where they were, or to turn back and help their people. King Lisuarte also hearing this, and seeing how his enemies waxed faint, took heart and began to hearten his comrades, and they bestirred themselves so bravely that they made their enemies give ground till they met those who were flying before Amadis, and then they had no remedy but to place themselves back to back and defend themselves. King Aravigo and Arcalaus, seeing how the day was lost, got into a house, for they had not courage to die in battle, and they were soon taken. Amadis was now dealing about such blows that none dared meet him except the two knights of the Sagittary Island, who advanced against him. He, though he saw what mighty men they were, was nothing dismayed, but raised his good sword and gave the one such a blow upon the helmet that, strong as he was, he came on both his knees. Amadis thrust him backward and passed by him, and seeing how Florestan and Agriotte had overthrown the other, he left him to the care of his people, and they three went on towards Barcenon and the Duke of Bristol, who were now so hardly pressed by King Lisuarte, that seeing nothing but death before them, the one ran to Amadis and the Duke of Bristol to Florestan, crying for mercy. These chiefs being thus taken, Amadis looked and saw King Lisuarte and that there was no farther resistance there. So, with his prisoners, he turned back to aid Quadragante. But on the way he learned that that knight had already done his work, and had taken King Aravigo and Arcalaus. And then he said to Gandalin, "'Go tell Don Quadragante that I am leaving town, and that, as he has finished too, we should depart without seeing King Lisuarte.' And he took horse himself, and made his people mount." When Lisuarte saw how his life had been saved, and that his enemies were destroyed or taken, he was so astonished that he knew not what to say, and he called to Don Guillan, who was near him, and said, "'How is all this, and who are these who have done us so much good?' "'Who can it be, sir?' replied Guillan, "'but the same as usual, no other than Amadis of Gaul, for you heard his cry, and it would be well, sir, that you should give him the thanks that he deserves.' The king answered, Go you forward, and stop him, if he be departing. He will stay for you. I will presently follow. When Don Guillon came to the gate, he then learned for certain that it was Amadis, and that he had already taken horse, and was departing with his people, not waiting for Guadagante, lest he should be detained. Don Guillon then cried out aloud to him to stay, for the king was here. At this Amadis was troubled, but when he came nearer, he looked at the king, and saw that his armour was all broken and clotted with the blood of his wounds, and he was moved to pity at beholding him thus, for, notwithstanding the great enmity between them, he had always remembered that he was the bravest and most honourable king in the world, and the best of heart. So, coming still nearer, he dismounted, and went up to him, and knelt, and would have kissed his hand. But the king raised him up, and embraced him with right good will. At this time Don Quadragante came up to follow Amadis, and with him came Kildadan and many others who were going to detain Amadis, that he might see the king. Quadragante and Florestan and Angriotte then went to kiss the king's hand, and Amadis embraced King Kildadan, 
who can tell the pleasure they all felt to see themselves thus united and the destruction of their enemies king kildallan then said to amadis go you sir to the king and i will remain with my uncle don quadragante thus accordingly they did but now brandoyas came up with much pain for he was sorely wounded and said to the king sir the townsmen and your people are killing the enemies who have fled into the houses and such slaughter is there that the streets are flowing with blood but though their lords deserve this their people have not do you therefore give order what should be done in this cruel destruction let it be stopped sir cried amadis for it is in these things that greatness of heart is shown the king then sent his son norandel and don guillan to put a stop to the slaughter and look to the prisoners and amadis bade gandalin and enil and his foster-father gandales take charge of aravigo and arcalaus and barsinan and the duke of bristol lisuarte then took amadis by the hand and said sir if it pleases you let us now go rest and refresh ourselves for we have need let us go into the town and have the dead carried out may it please you replied amadis to give us leave to depart that we may return in time to king perion who is on his way with all the rest of the army certes quoth lesuarte that leave will i not give in virtue and strength none can conquer you but in this you must yield to me we will receive your father here after so signal a thing as this it is not reasonable that we should part so soon and then he returned to king kildadan and said do you retain this knight since i cannot sir quoth kildadan do this which the king so affectionately beseeches you and let not a man who hath been so well brought up commit such discourtesy amadis then turned to his brother florestan and the other knights and asked what they should do since the king commanded them quadragante answered that as they were come thither to serve the king and had already done so in the more important part so ought they in lesser things let it be so sir then amadis replied he then bade his people dismount and secure their horses in the field and seek for food presently they saw king arban and don grumedan come up with their hands tied behind them for their guards had left them and it was a wonder that they had not slain them greatly did the king rejoice to see them for he thought that they had been dead and so certes they would have been but for this succour and they went and kissed his hands and then went to welcome amadis with such joy as the greatest friends in the world feel when they meet they now advised the king to go with all those knights to the monastery which was near till the town should be cleared of dead bodies arquisil now who had been placing flaminio where his wounds could be attended came up and when he saw amadis he embraced him saying sir you succoured us in good time if you have slain some of us you have saved more amadis replied with great pleasure sir have i succoured you for you may believe that i truly love you now as lisuarte was going toward the monastery he saw king perion and his army coming up with great speed sir quoth don grumedan this is a good succour but if the first had been delayed our safety would have been delayed altogether the king laughing replied he who would dispute with you respecting amadis would have a long quarrel don grumedan and a perilous one 
The king then called for a horse, and bade King Kildadan mount also, that they might ride to welcome King Perion. Sir, said Amadis, it were far better that you rested and took heed to your wounds, and the king my father will come to visit you. But the king said he would by all means meet him. So he and King Kildadan and Amadis rode on, and Durin was sent forward to let Perion know of his coming. King Perion, upon this, took with him Count Gasteles, and Grasandor, and Don Brian, and Trion, and besought Agrayes to lead the troops while they advanced. This he did, knowing the enmity of Agrayes to King Lisuarte, and he, who was well pleased, busied himself to delay the army that he might not have occasion to meet the king. When the two kings met, they alighted and embraced each other, and Perion, seeing him so wounded, said, Methinks you were not in this evil plight when you left your camp, though there your arms had not lain idle in their cases, nor your person under the shade of your tent. Sir, quoth King Lisuarte, I wished you to behold me as I am, that you might know in what state I was when Amadis and these knights rescued me. He then told him how the battle had been. I thank God for it, replied King Perion, and for the peace there is between us for through all this quarrel it has ever been my wish that my sons and all their kin should look up to and reverence you as their lord and father. Lisuarte answered, We will leave this for farther leisure. I trust in God that before we part we shall be connected by a near tie and by great love. King Lisuarte now looked round for Agrayes, and seeing him not, he asked for him, for though he knew how that prince hated him, yet both for his own sake, and to show that no farther enmity existed, he had resolved what to do. Perion replied that he had left him with the army, to prevent any accidental mischief if the armies should meet. "'Let him be called, then,' said Lisuarte, "'for I will not depart till I have seen him.' Amadis, upon this, went himself to Agrayes, knowing that he could best prevail upon his cousin, and he told him all that had passed, and besought him to go with him, since friendship was now re-established. Agrayes answered, "'Cousin, you know my anger lasts no longer than it is your will, but God send that the service which you have now done the king may be better guardened than your former one. This has made him suffer for the past, and that belike may change his condition.' So he bade the army hold till they received his orders, and rode back with Amadis. When they came up, the king took him in his arms, and embraced him a while, saying, which is the most dangerous, this embrace, or that which we gave each other in the battle? Agrayes courteously answered, Sir, longer time is necessary before that can be resolved with truth. Now then, quoth the king, let us move. You, sir, speaking to King Perion, with those knights must be my guests in the monastery. The troops, as many as can, must take their quarters in the town, and in the rest encamp in these fields, we will have all the stores which are collected for the camp brought here, that there will be no want. King Perion would fain have had his leave to depart, but Lisuarte and Kildadan urged him so that he could not deny, and they were all well lodged in the monastery. There King Lisuarte was attended by the masters whom he had brought with him, but they were all as nothing to Master Helisabad, who soon made the king and all the other wounded knights safe and sound, that it was marvellous yet Lisuarte had been so grievously hurt that it was more than ten days before he could rise from his bed. 
In the meantime the good man Nasciano arrived, at whose coming they were all greatly rejoiced, and he on his part, seeing these persons so joined in friendship now, who but three days agone were so cruelly striving to slay each other, lifted up his hands and said, O Lord, how exceeding great is thy mercy! The blood of the wounds which these knights and kings made by the wicked enemy's persuasion is not yet dried, and because I have spoken to them in thy name, they are now in the beginning of the good way. Let me, as thy servant, sinner though I am, so bring all this to an end, that they may forsake all other pursuits which are not to thy service, and give themselves altogether to the advancement of thy holy Catholic faith. This good man never ceased to exhort them with good examples and doctrine. One day, when they were all in King Lisuarte's chamber, the king asked Perion how he had learned the news of his danger, and being answered that Esplandian had seen Aravigo's army and carried the alarm, the king said to him, Esplandian, you have done me great service, and I trust in God that I shall one day well requite it. Son, quoth the hermit, go and kiss the king's hand for what he hath said. The child went and knelt and kissed his hand, and the king drew his head nearer and kissed his face, and looked at Amadis, and Amadis, who had his eyes upon the child, saw what the king did, and how he looked at him, and his face coloured, for he knew that Lisuarte was informed of his love for Oriana, and how Esplandian was their child, so that to see how the king loved Esplandian made him more desirous to serve the king. And Lisuarte was so fond of the child, that while he was between them as a reconciler, no difference could happen. King Gasquilan now arrived at the monastery. He had been carried in a litter from the camp, and by Lisuarte's advice he kept as far as he could to the right of the mountain, so that by reason of the circuit he was five days reaching Lubaina, and when he heard of the battle he was sorely grieved that he had not been present, and in his pride said things to that effect which they who heard did not think good. He was courteously received by all that company, and his bed was placed in King Lisuarte's chamber. There, seeing so many fair knights about him, he asked which was Amadis, who came forward and bade him welcome, saying, I should be better pleased, good sir, to have seen you in health, and thus, for any malady is ill-employed upon so good a man as you. May it please God soon to heal you, and whatever quarrel there may be between us shall be amended with good works. Gasquilan looked at him, and seeing him so fair and so gentle, he would have thought him a fitter man for dames and damsels than for feats of war, if he had not to his cost proved him. He made answer, My good sir Amadis, you are the knight in the world whom I most desire to see, not for your good, but to combat with you. And if that had befallen you from my hands, which has befallen me from yours, I should have thought myself the best knight in the world, and should also have won the love of my lady, by whose command I besought you, and before whom I know not how I shall appear, so that my evil is greater than it seemeth. I am grieved at this, quoth Amadis, but you who have performed such signal exploits would not have gained much by conquering a knight of so little renown as I am. At this King Kildaran said with a smile to Lisuarte, you should throw down your wand, sir, to separate these two knights, and thus, jestingly, they were led to talk of other things. Now King Perion besought Lisuarte that he and his knights might return to the firm island, and send his two knights to the meeting, as had been determined. But King Lisuarte replied, 
that since it had pleased God thus to bring them together, they would not separate till all was concluded. Arquisil now spake with Amadis, saying he was ready to perform his promise, and return to prison. Amadis then rode out with him, and when they were away from all others, said, My good sir, I have been prevented from speaking to you before, as you have seen, but now that we have opportunity to speak, I will tell you what is in my mind. Now that the emperor is dead, you are the right heir to the empire, and I know likewise that you are well beloved by all the people, and if any one disliked you it was the emperor, for his envy of your good qualities. So great a thing as this you ought to attend to. You have here the greater part of the best knights of Rome, and I have in the firm island Brondachel of the Rock, and the Duke of Ancona, and the Archbishop of Talantia, with sundry others who were taken upon the sea. We will send for them, and before we separate they will do homage to you as emperor, and if there be any opposition I will assist you to obtain your right. If Arquisil was well pleased at this, you may easily guess, for he had expected to be held prisoner in some place from whence he should not soon have been released. My good sir, he replied, I know not why all who are in the world do not seek after your friendship. If thanks were sufficient for such a kindness, I would offer them. But what can I offer? Certes nothing but my person, and all that God and my right may bestow upon me. Therefore, as you have said, bring this to effect, and what I gain will be more yours than mine. I will undertake it, said Amadis, and with God's help you shall depart emperor from hence, or else hold me not for a night. Before we return to the monastery, said Amadis, I will show you the man in the world who hates me most. And with that they entered Lubaina, and went to the lodging of Don Gandales, and to the chamber where King Aravigo and Arcalaus were held prisoners. They found them in one bed, and with their clothes on, for since their captivity they had never undressed. Amadis knew the enchanter, and said to him, What dost thou do, Arcalaus? Who art thou who asked? Amadis of Gaul, whom you have so much desired to see. Then Arcalaus looked at him more attentively. Certes, you say truly, for though it is long since I saw thee, I remember that thou art the same whom I had in my power in Castle Valdarin. The compassion which I then had upon thy youth and comeliness had since occasioned me many and great troubles, and hath at length brought me to such state that it behoved me to ask thy mercy. Amadis replied, If I should have mercy, wouldst thou cease to commit those great iniquities and cruelties to which thou hast been accustomed? No, quoth he, for my age, so long addicted thereto by its own will, cannot now give up what hath so long been its delight. But necessity, whose strong curb can change all customs from good to evil, and from evil to good, would make me do that in my age which my youth in liberty neither would nor could. What necessity, replied Amadis, could I lay thee under if I set thee free? Arcalaus answered, I would give thee up my castles and all my lands, to increase which I have done so much ill to my conscience and fame, and would reserve no more than it might please you, for your virtue, to allow me, for at present I can do nothing else. It might be that this pressure and your great goodness would work that change in me which reason hitherto had not been able to effect. Then Amadis replied, Arcalaus, 
if i have any hope that thy disposition can be amended it is only from the knowledge which thou thyself hast that thou art a wicked sinner take courage therefore in this consolation it may be this prison of the body which thou so much dreadest may be the key to release thy soul which thou hast had so long enthralled then he would have left him but arcalaus cried out amadis look at this unhappy king a little while ago and he was on the point of becoming one of the greatest princes in the world and in a moment fortune which had been so favourable beat him down and placed him in this cruel captivity let him be an example to thee and to all who have or desire to have honour and dominion and remember that to conquer and to pardon is the character of great spirits amadis did not answer because he was his prisoner and this reason was against him that he though by his arms and his enchantments had conquered many had never spared howbeit he knew that what he had now said was spoken well as soon as they returned to the monastery amadis called for ardian his dwarf and bade him go to the firm island and tell oriana and her company all that had taken place and he gave him a letter for isanjo wherein he bade him send all the roman prisoners well pleased was the dwarf to carry this news because he hoped from it great honour and much profit he mounted his horse and rode by day and by night with little respite till he arrived oriana had heard of the two battles and that the emperor of rome was slain and how the good man nasciano had made a truce but she knew nothing more and was now very sorrowful that he could not bring about peace and she did nothing now but tell her beads and make offerings and romerias to all the churches in the island and continually pray for peace now when she heard that the dwarf had arrived and brought tidings for her her heart was greatly disturbed fearing what he might tell her both of her father and amadis but he as soon as he saw her said lady i ask for albricias the reward of good tidings not according to what i am but according to what you are and what the tidings are that i bring oriana answered my friend ardian it seems things go well with your master but tell me if my father is living living lady quoth the dwarf alive and well and happier than ever he was holy mary cried oriana tell me all and if ever god gives me any good i will make thee happy in this world but when she heard all that had befallen she knelt down and lifted her hands and said o lord almighty the helper of all that be in need blessed be thy holy name and blessed be that fair child who has been the occasion of all this good i am bound to love him better than any one can think they who heard her thought she said this because of the succour which Splendion had procured for the king, but it proceeded from the bowels of a mother. Queen Briolania and Melissia then asked him concerning child Splendion, what manner of youth he was, and how the king requited his service. Good ladies, he answered, I was with Amadis in the king's chamber, when Splendion went to kiss the king's hand for the favours which he promised him and i saw the king draw him closer and lay his hand upon his head and kiss his eyes and as for his beauty i tell you that though he is a man and you think yourselves full handsome if he were before you you would hide yourselves and not dare be seen it is well then said they that we are shut up here where he cannot see us oh quoth the dwarf however you were shut up you and all fair ladies would go far to seek him 
at that they all laughed merrily but oriana looking at queen sardamira bade her be of good cheer for when the lord was thus helping her sorrows she also would not be forgotten the queen thanked her and asked ardian what was become of those unhappy romans who were with king lisuarte he told her that he had seen arquisil talking in friendship with amadis and that her brother flaminio was hurt but not badly when isanjo had read the letter of amadis he took the roman chiefs from the tower where they were held prisoners and gave them horses and all things fitting for the journey and sent his own son and other persons to guide them and the other prisoners who were about two hundred he released also and sent them to amadis when they arrived at the monastery they kissed the king's hand who received them kindly and with good cheer but when they saw arquisil neither he nor they could refrain from tears amadis courteously received them and taking them apart without arquisil he said good sirs i sent for you that as things appear to be drawing to a happy end ye might be present being men of whom reasonably much account should be taken and also to tell you that i have arquisil's promise to return to prison at my discretion as probably you have heard but considering the lineage from which he is sprung and his own nobleness i resolve to confer with you that as there is no other to whom the empire can of right belong you should take him for your emperor in doing which you would do two things first you would discharge your duty by giving to the empire so good a knight who is the right heir and who would bestow great honours upon you and secondly as to what relates to your own captivity and his for without delay you should be at liberty to return into your own country and i would always be your good friend as long as it pleased you for i love arquisil as though he were my own brother upon this the roman lords desired brandachel of the rock to speak for them we are much beholden to you sir amadis said he for this gracious speech but this is weighty business and the consent of so many wills is necessary that we cannot reply till we have consulted with the knights who are here for though little account may be made of them yet in this sir they are of great importance for they possess cities and towns and fortresses in the empire and many offices which concern the election if it please you therefore let us see flaminio and we will summon the rest in his presence and then we shall be enabled deliberately to answer amadis upon this said they had answered like good knights and he besought them that there might be no delay incontinently those lords went to horse and rode into the town which by this time was cleared of the dead for king lisuarte had summoned the people of the surrounding districts to bury them glad were they to see flaminio albeit the great misfortunes which had befallen them made their countenances sorrowful they told him what had passed and the chiefs of the romans were forthwith assembled then when they were all met bondachel of the rock thus began honourable knight flaminio you and these our good friends know the misfortunes which have fallen upon us since first we came to this island of great britain by command of the emperor whom god pardon of this i will not speak we were prisoners in the firm island and it pleased amadis of gaul to send for us hither where he hath shown us great honour and spoken to us at length saying that as our empire is now without a lord and the succession more justly appertaineth to arquisil than to any other it would please him if we would choose that knight to be our lord and emperor and that he would then set us free and become our faithful friend and ally 
and so earnestly did he propose this that it appeared to us he would rejoice if we did so with good will and that if we refused he would employ his force to bring it otherwise about for this cause you are now summoned and to me it seems that this which amadis desires of us is what we ought most earnestly to have requested of him for who is there who either by his right or for his courage or for his virtues deserves the empire so well as arquisil certes none he is our countryman brought up among us we know his good disposition and that we may ask privileges of him as our right which a stranger belike would deny moreover thus should we win the friendship of the famous amadis who as when he was our enemy he had such power to injure us so being our friend will he remedy the past with much honour and advantage now then sirs speak as you may think fit having no regard to our captivity or tribulation but only as reason and justice shall direct such influence have those things that are just and reasonable that even the wicked cannot easily withstand them but these knights were men of much discretion and understanding and though on such occasions there are often many discordant wills they all agreed that what bondegel of the rock had advised was reasonable and that what amadis recommended should be done that they and their emperor might leave the land in which so much evil had befallen them and return to their own country with this answer the chiefs returned to amadis then all the chiefs and people of the empire there present being assembled in the church they did homage to arquisil as their emperor and he swore to maintain their privileges and customs and granted them all the favours which they reasonably asked End of Book 4, Chapter 36